Well, once again, welcome this morning. Thank you for each of you being here this morning. If you have children with you and you would like to keep them with you, you are more than welcome to do that. Uh, however, if you have children with you and you would prefer if they head down to Children's Church, you're more than welcome to have them do that as well. You can either go down this hallway and then down the steps to the kids' zone, um, and that's probably the the safest, easiest way to do that. We also have nursery this morning, and uh, that's just down this hall to your left, and then towards the end of the hall down that direction. And uh, you're free to have your children in either of those locations, in the kids' zone or the nursery this morning, if that is something that you would like to have take place. And again, we are excited to, for each of you to be here this morning. We're excited to welcome each of you that are online with us this morning. Thank you for taking the time to join us and be together as the body of Christ that continues to advance. Uh, that's what God's Word says, that the, the church will continue to advance. And that's what we want to do. We want to advance in this world. And we're going through a, a series of parables in Matthew, and today is actually the, the last week of that. We're wrapping that up, and so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, if you want to turn over there in your scriptures. In the last few weeks, uh, we've been talking about the, the wedding banquet and how we need to be excited about the banquet that God is preparing for us for eternity, and we need to invite people to that, and we need to make sure that they're dressed in wedding Clothes, to be clothed with Christ through baptism as Galatians 3.27 speaks about. And so we talked about this last week that, you know, as we're inviting people to the, to the wedding banquet, are we ourselves prepared? Are we prepared for Jesus when he comes again and, and the parable of the ten virgins and having the oil, the, the oil ready to go with our lamps? Not just having our lamps ready but the oil and being prepared. And today we're in chapter 25, verses 14 down through 30, the parable of the talents. And so today we're talking about this idea of, you know, are, are we doing what God has called us to do as we wait for Jesus to return? And, and as I was thinking about this concept and I was thinking about what this parable is really speaking to us about, I thought about, am I a risk taker or a safety seeker? And I would ask you that question this morning as well. Are you a risk taker or a safety seeker? Uh, just a little while ago in Tulsa, Oklahoma, there's a developer that was uh, developing houses. And in the, his houses, he would offer a $2,500 addition to the house, which was a tornado safety room. In Tulsa, high winds and destruction, this room was something that would be something of value. And so uh, there was a lot of people that uh, kind of weighed that option. And I don't know about you this morning, if that was something that you would invest in. But I think for me, I would want to make sure that I had a room in a zone of the country where there's a lot of tornadoes that had a safe place if there was going to be some high winds. And the reality, as this uh, developer had these houses for sale, 9 out of 10 people chose to add the safety room to the plans. And yet there was one couple that didn't. And you think, well, they're probably young, foolish couple that just didn't want to spend the money. No, it was a 75-year-old couple that invested the money in a jacuzzi to be added to the house instead of the safe zone, the safe room. And it was probably one of those things where these 75-year-old couple, they figured, well, God has taken care of us for 75 years from tornadoes. We're going to trust in God that he's going to take care of us the rest of the way. What about you? 
Are, are you a risk taker or a safety seeker? And when it comes to being a faithful, obedient follower of Jesus Christ, you can't play it safe. You have to be willing to take risks if you're going to be obedient to God. Let's pray as we begin. Father, this morning, may you speak to our hearts and our minds. May we be open to what your Holy Spirit might be challenging us with in our lives. May we use your word to grow and mature in our faith. May you receive all the honor and glory and praise this morning. It's the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Again, turn over to chapter 25, verses 14, all the way down through 30, and it's the parable of the talents. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a, with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Verse 24, then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man. You were a hard man harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I had harvest where I have not sown and, and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing. Of teeth. And often we hear this parable, it's probably not a, a brand new parable for you. It, it, and we think about the concept of stewardship and the lessons that we can learn from that. And we think about maybe investment or we remind us of the skills that we have that God has given us. And yet, as I think those are all reasonable and acceptable and worthwhile perspectives, I think that maybe fails to capture the larger picture and the drama that's taking place in the context of this parable with the end time and the concept of the kingdom of God and judgment. And we might think about it more as a parable calling us to respond to what God has given us. 
to, to take what God has given us and use it to make a difference for his kingdom. And if you're kind of just running through the basics of this parable, I would say the man going on the journey represents Jesus. And his going on a journey would represent his ascension into heaven. And the servants represent Christians who are waiting for his second coming. And, and the talents represent the great treasure of the gospel of Jesus Christ with which God has entrusted us with. And the man's return represents Jesus' second coming. And the man's, the master's assessment of the faithfulness of the servants represents Jesus' judgment of us on judgment day. And so as Matthew is writing to the church that he is interacting with, not even, you know, very long, maybe 100 years or so after Jesus' death, around 80 to 90 A.D., Jesus, Matthew is writing this. And he's writing Jesus' words, and the church at that time is, they're kind of getting antsy for Jesus to come again. You think about that, you're like, Man, they should have been patient, shouldn't they have? You know, a hundred years after Jesus' ascension into heaven, that's not a very long time. We're 2,000 years out. They should have been patient. And yet, for them, that was current. That was what was going on. They're waiting for Jesus to come again. And as Matthew is writing this, these words and, and the church is, is reading these words, I, I believe it's a parable for us to hear loud and clear this morning as well, that they were entrusted with the good news of Jesus, the great treasure. And we too are entrusted with the gospel message, the great treasure. And we're going to be held accountable for what we choose to do with the good news of Jesus Christ. And so the first thing that I want to challenge you with this morning, if you're taking notes, is to write down, use what God has given you to use. Use what God has entrusted to you. And if you look at verse 14, it says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants, that is us, and entrusted his property to them. And just like the master in the story trusted his servants, Jesus trusts us with the greatest treasure that the world will ever know. The opportunity for grace and forgiveness mercy and in verse 15 it says to one he gave five talents of money to another two talents and to another one talent which according to each according to his ability then he went on his journey see he didn't dictate what each person did with the talents that he gave them he allowed them to use those talents however they saw fit wherever the opportunities arose that's how they could use them and, and he treated each servant as an individual not overwhelming the, the one that maybe didn't have as many much ability to handle a stressful situation or, or thinking about the, the one that could handle lots more and it didn't insult that one by, you know, trivial responsibilities, but gave them more responsibility. See, we, each one of us, has a responsibility to take what we've received which is the good news of Jesus Christ, and, and to share that, to further his kingdom. You see, he trusts us. It says he entrusted them. And God is trusting each and every one of you this morning to have an impact for his kingdom, to have that great responsibility. And speaking of the responsibility, you think about these talents. Scholars uh, look at these talents, and it used to be a measurement 
So it used to be the, the heaviest weight in the Hebrew system, and the common talent weight weighed about uh, 3,000 shekels. But as time went on, it became a measure or a, a, a form of uh, money. And so a talent came to be known as a, a, a probably around 6,000 denarii. If we remember back to the parable of the, the laborers in the vineyard and how a day's labor was a denarii, and this a measurement, a talent, is 6,000 denarii, we have this concept taking place of, of a thousand six-day work days or work weeks, and which would be, if you calculate that out, 19-plus years, okay? One talent is about 19-plus years of a day's labor, okay? And so it's a ton of money, and, you know, it's not maybe exact. They don't know exactly how much it is. But it's like zillions, like if we were to say zillions or a ton of money. And each one of these men had at least one talent. It's a, a substantial amount. It's this great treasure. The one had, had the five talents. The one had the two. And even the one that only had one talent, that was a great treasure to be entrusted with. And we become partners with Jesus. Do you see that in verse 15 down through verse 17? He entrusts these servants to take the money and, and, and do something with it. We become partners. Each one of us becoming not only just servants of the Most High God, but to be come alongside and, and to take the gospel message. He's partnering with us to have an impact for the kingdom of God here on this earth. And according to these verses, the man that received the five and the two talents both went at once. They were eager. There was no sense of, you know, oh, maybe I'll get to it. No, there's enthusiasm. They're excited about taking what God has given them and going out and doing something with it. There was no, you know, reason to try to have to light a fire under them for this to take place they are ready to go and they are excited to be trusted with such a great treasure to do something positive and to prove themselves and their trust in the master reflects the trust that the master had shown in them and Bodhi and I had this discussion just the other day and it, it wasn't in talking about preparing for the message it was just everyday life and I I don't know if I remember quite correctly my childhood upbringing but in my mind I remember like if my dad asked me to go do something on the farm like change the shovels on the cultivator or go change the sickles on the header of the combine he trusted that I could handle the job and as Bodhi and I discussed that you know I try to put trust in him to handle different jobs and I know for me in my mind as a kid I did everything I could to prove my dad right, that he trusted that I could handle the job. So even if I couldn't quite figure it out, if I couldn't get the right wrench, if I had to go back 10 times to the shop to get the right tool because I was supposed to get a socket and I came back with a pair of pliers, you know, those type of things, I, I did everything I could to prove my dad right because he trusted me. And God is trusting each and every single one of you to take the treasure of the good news of Jesus Christ and share it with people. 
to invest it in the lives of people, and he trusts you to do that. And so are you doing whatever it takes to prove your dad right? And again, the first two servants trusted in the master because they knew the master trusted in them. So use what God has entrusted to you. But as you look at verses 24 and 25, we see the third servant didn't have that same relationship with the master, the same trust. And Jesus refers to that servant as wicked and lazy. The second thing I want to challenge you with this morning, if you're taking notes, is don't be a lazy servant. Don't be a lazy servant as you look at verse 18. It says, but the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. He, he thought he, I, I, he, I'm done, and dust his hand off, dug the hole, buried it. He's content with leaving there, it there. He doesn't want anything else to do with it. He, he, he's not worried about it ever again. And so he goes off and digs this hole. And for a lot of us as Christians, we kind of do that, don't we? We receive this amazing treasure of knowing that we have hope for eternity and we just kind of keep it to ourselves and yeah, it's there and we know we have it in our back pocket, but that's kind of where it stays. And we forget that we have a responsibility and that's what this parable is getting at. This responsibility of, of investing in the world that we live in. This parable celebrates active, forward-leaning, risk-taking, involved in the world where the rubber meets the road kind of ministry that you, each one of you, is supposed to be a part of. And so we must not be like the lazy servants. And part of not being like the lazy servants is, is this concept of being afraid. If you look at verse 25 of chapter 25, the, the servant says, so I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. We're even. We're good to go. So don't, don't ask me for anything else. He was afraid. And oftentimes, fear hinders us instead of enables us. Fear overtakes our desire and ability to do the things that we know are good and right. We don't speak up when we know we should we don't want to create waves or we hesitate to volunteer because we don't think we have the skills or maybe that's going to take too much time and we that's going to you know get in the way of what I want to do we don't want to be inconvenienced and we dig holes don't we the holes we dig for ourselves are all around us in our Christian walk and the good news is that we have parables like this we have God's word to inspire us to challenge us to to change to stare fear in the in the face and to choose a different path to choose the side of Christ to be bold enough to take a stand in the face of what tries to render us helpless and say what we jokingly say at my house not today Satan amen amen not we're not going to allow Satan to rule our lives we're not going to allow Satan to dictate us and, and cause us to fear. In fact, Andrew Jackson said, never take counsel of your fears. Never take counsel of your fears. And Jesus said over and over in Scripture, do not be afraid. Do not fear. Uh, Luke 8.50, don't be afraid. Only believe. And the studies show that there's about 365 references to not being afraid in Scripture which happens to be the same number of days that we have in our yearly calendar. You see, every single day, God is saying, don't be afraid. 
The greater our faith, the less our fear. The greater your faith, the less your fear. What does it look like for Paradise Valley Christian Church to not be afraid and and to be willing to take risks? And I I believe it might be something like inviting a neighbor or a co-worker or a family member to, to study God's word in your home. Maybe you don't want to invite them to church because they're not into going to church. But maybe you invite them into your home to say, would you study through the book of John with me? Would you be willing to look at James with me? There's some amazing things that have been challenging me in my walk. Or maybe it's encouraging someone to to check out what's going on Sunday mornings here at PV or Wednesday night family night, inviting them to the meal and to class or to invite someone to one of the weekday small groups. Or maybe it's us not being afraid to think of what it might be to, to be a congregation that grows to over a thousand people and what that would look like when it comes to a new facility or what it looks like when it comes to how that's going to take place and, and what your involvement would be in making that be a reality. Maybe you're someone that's financially struggling and yet to take a risk is to help somebody else out that's financially struggling. Are we taking risks for God? Are we content to dig holes? As people of faith, we are called to take risks, not dig holes. This is one of the greatest callings that we have in following Jesus is to live in anticipation of his return and to take risks in the meantime, knowing that this earth is not our home, that we're not tied down here, but we have something better to look forward to to live in the kingdom of heaven that these parables describe means being ready to present ourselves to God, not as maintainers of the bare minimum, but as faithful investors who live fully into the lives God has given us. See, the middle ground, you see the the ground of inaction and delay, the the ground that the third servant liked to hang out on and that hid his treasure in a hole, is no ground to stand on at all. Is that you this morning? Are you that lazy servant that isn't willing to risk anything because you don't, you don't really believe that God has your back and you're afraid to really live out your faith? My prayer is that we don't be a lazy servant because the third thing that I would encourage you to write down this morning from this parable is that you will be held accountable. In verse 19, it says, After a long time, the, the master of those servants, which again we, we realize is speaking about Jesus, returned and settled accounts with them. You see, they were accountable for what they did with the money. And Matthew is conscious of the delay of the second coming, and, and that would be something that was in his mind when he wrote these words of Jesus. And he and the rest again of the church at that time, they were waiting, and we are also continuing to wait. But the reality from this parable is that someday Jesus is going to return. He does return, it says, at which he at that time he settles accounts. This parable confirms the promise that Jesus will not delay forever, but will come to reward the faithful and punish the unfaithful. When the master returns, there's a time of accountability. 
Each servant is given opportunity to show the master what he's done with the master's money. And we too will stand before God on judgment day. And each one of us will be asked to show what we've done for the master. We learn a great lesson from the first two servants, which is risk reaps a reward. Risk reaps a reward. In verses 20 down through 23, we see that th these first two servants have taken what they've been entrusted with and they've doubled it. And the master, he's thankful. He's appreciative. And we see, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will set you over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And anyone who has worked hard to establish a business knows that the five and the two talent servants deserve to be honored. They're, they didn't just deposit their money in an interest-bearing account. They've taken risks. They've sweated the details. They've remained at their post after others have gone to home and, and they prayed over the fact that they're hoping to cover payroll and to pay the bills at the end of the month. And even after they've gone to sleep, their minds continue to seek solutions to the day's problems. And they've given their best, their hearts, their whole beings to serving the master faithfully. And the master rewards the five and the two talent servants in four ways. And first, he, he treats them both equally. He gives them both the same praise. No matter the one that, re, that gained the five or the two that gained the two, they both are equal. And, the, and second, he pronounces them good and faithful. And in some ways, it seems like, well, that's kind of a chintzy reward. And yet, you think about how important positive words of encouragement from someone that you respect and love and honor how much of an impact that can make in your life. And, and these two servants are never going to forget the, the words of praise that are being offered. And third, he gives them increased responsibility. And, and for a lot of us here, we think, well, shouldn't the master have given them like a retirement? And yet that's not what takes place here. Instead, he increases their workload. He gives them more, and, and service, not retirement, is the goal of Christian discipleship. Service, not retirement, is the goal of Christian discipleship. And, and while there might be, you know, a pastor that's willing to kind of step back from shepherding responsibilities of the congregation day in and day out, no Christian ever retires from caring for others. See, that's a, that ministry of love is something that brings joy and satisfaction, it's a responsibility that God has, has provided for each and every one of us. And the fourth thing he says is, enter into the joy of the Lord. Can't you wait to hear those words? And I am looking forward to hearing those words that one day we're going to enter into his rest. And while we enjoy hearing the master's generosity to the five and the two talent servants, this parable really turns on the actions of the one-talent servant and the master response to those actions. And the one-talent servant addresses the master in an apologetic way, and he kind of has a defensive tone, and he's making it clear that he understands he's made some mistakes, that he's had a failure, but he's hoping that he can maybe come up with some excuses. And isn't that what we do at times? 
well, so-and-so, they're, they already go to church somewhere. So-and-so, you know, they, they, they're not someone that wants to hear the good news of Jesus. We begin to make mistakes, excuses, and, and yet the excuses here, they don't work. He says that he knew the master would be a harsh man, reaping where he did not sow. And as I read that, it just really surprised me. Why would he say that? I mean, that's not really the character of the master here as we read it through. In fact, we read someone that's very trusting and willing to take a great treasure and, and allow for his servants to invest it. In fact, we see rewards that come from the master, praise and, and gratitude. And yet, as you look down through the, the third servant's excuses, basically it's this concept that he, he has the wrong characterization. It's unfair. And the master does not attempt to debate the character with the man. He, he takes him at his own appraisal of his master. And he says, you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. And the editor of the text here has done a good job ending in the statement with a question mark. Because the master is not agreeing with what the servant says. He's saying, in effect, so that is your understanding of my character, is it? All right, then. Out of your own mouth will I judge you. If that's what you thought of me, then you ought to have known that you couldn't possibly please me by failing to get some kind of gain. In that case, you could have at least put the money in the bank, and I would have had some interest on it when I returned. And so the irony is that the one-talent servant, concerned only for his own safety and his own personal security, loses that security because of his unwillingness to even take a small risk or make a small effort. As Jesus said earlier, he who seeks his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it, Matthew 10, 39. See, if you're not producing fruit, in your relationship with Christ, in your faith, then is it really a true faith to begin with? See, Jesus says in John 15, verse 8, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. See, we have a responsibility to invest the gospel into the lives of the people around us. We are held accountable. Each of us has been entrusted by Jesus as our Lord and Savior. He's given us this golden opportunity, and Jesus will want to know what you've done with that opportunity. God the Father has sacrificed his own son so that we might be forgiven of our sins and have eternal life as his servants. And what are we doing with that great gift he's given us? Are we investing what God has entrusted to us? Have you shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with anyone lately? Have you invested by faith in the things of God? Have you been a good steward and found ways to increase that which you have been entrusted with? Has your faith grown? Are you a redwood tree or a deadwood tree? And in verse 30 of chapter 25, it says, And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And we know that to reference hell. Eternity in hell. You see, what you do with what God has entrusted you with here on earth does make a difference 
when it comes to where you'll spend eternity. And so as the praise team comes this morning, there's a story that's told about an incident in the life of Abraham Lincoln. And he brought one of his aides to a, along with him to a church service. And as they walked back home, the aide asked the president how he liked the sermon. And Lincoln replied, I thought it was well thought out, powerfully delivered, and very eloquent. So you thought it was a great sermon? No, the president said. It failed. It failed because the preacher did not ask us to do something great. And I would hate to repeat such a mistake this morning. The one talent servant knew what he was supposed to do. He even said it himself. I knew you reaped where you didn't plant. I knew you gathered where you didn't scatter seed. And that servant knew he was responsible to the planting and the scattering, but instead he did the opposite. He went and dug a hole and buried it. And this morning now you know too. You know that God expects to reap and harvest from the grain he's entrusted to you. So what will you do? Will you seek God and ask him to show you exactly what you should be doing? Or you play it safe and bury it in the dirt? Will you risk and reap? Or will you bury and be sorry? As John Shedd observed, a ship in a harbor is safe, but that is not what ships are for. So also, a silent Christian is safe, but that's not what Christians are for. And we might add that Pearl Harbor proved that ships in harbor are not really safe at all. And this parable shows that silent Christians are not really safe after all. See, don't be a ship that never leaves the shore. I'd encourage us to lift anchor and push out into the sea. Many of you here this morning are the first two servants. You're doing a great job of taking what God has entrusted you with. And you're investing it in the lives of the people all around you. And I just want to say, keep it up. You're doing awesome. God is one day going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. But this morning, if you've been digging holes, if you've been burying that great treasure... You've been hiding it away, and maybe you this morning are someone that has been bearing the free gift of grace and forgiveness that God is, is offering each and every one of you this morning. And you just need to accept it, to repent of your sins, to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to be clothed with Christ through the watery graves of baptism, to rise in newness of life with the gift of the Holy Spirit. If that's you this morning, I would encourage you to take a risk. It'll be the best decision that you'll ever make. Will you stand with us this morning?